Welcome to the Plant-Based Canada podcast. Join us as we talk to experts to explore plant-based practices and how our food choices impact our health and the environment. We sit down with doctors, dietitians, athletes in various fields to break down the evidence behind the whole foods plant-based diet and discuss the practical steps we can take in the effort to shift towards a healthier lifestyle. My name is Stephanie Nishi, and today I am joined by Dr. Malin Junot to chat about lifestyle medicine and what it means to be a blue lifer. Dr. Malin Junot was born and raised in Montreal, Quebec, and completed her honors degree in biology at Concordia University, followed by medical school and a family medicine residency program at Université de Montréal. She then moved to Northern Ontario on the shores of Georgian Bay, where she started working primarily in the emergency department as a hospitalist. Her interest for holistic health and longevity led to her certification as a lifestyle medicine practitioner from the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. With the help of a strong, knowledgeable, motivated, and enthusiastic team, she is co-creating a soon-to-be-launched lifestyle medicine program for the community. Dr. Jeannot faced firsthand some of the challenges of implementing the core pillars of lifestyle medicine in her own life and in her practice of medicine, which included a transition towards a whole foods plant-based diet. The benefits and the lessons learned were well worth it, however, and when she is not sharing her enthusiasm for a whole person care model, she enjoys spending time outdoors with friends and family. No, thank you so much for joining the Plant-Based Canada podcast today. It's a pleasure to have this discussion with you. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. I'm excited too, and to learn all about your experiences. And I was wondering, to start things off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you were introduced to plant-based practices and lifestyle medicine? Yeah, definitely. Um, Just before I get into that, I just wanted to acknowledge that I'm on the traditional territories of uh, Anishinaabek, which includes the Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi people. Um, So I... uh, I like to say that life ambushed me. So like many other lifestyle practitioners, um, it started with my own journey. It was kind of like a mix of the two. So uh, everything happened all at once uh, or like within the same couple of months. So one of my Emerge colleague came up to me and was like, oh my gosh, like, did you watch the Game Changers? You can lower your cholesterol by 40% in seven days if you go plant-based. And it seemed like a lot of the people had watched the Game Changers. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I've never heard about that. And um Shortly before or after that, um, Dr. Shane Williams, that I think you've actually interviewed on the podcast as well, is a cardiologist in Great Bridge. And so we're in his catchment area. And he he sent flyers about a plant-based nutrition course that he was doing. And environmental lawyer, Dr. Diane Sachs, came to Perry Sound, believe it or not, to <laughs> make the trek all the way up here to give a like um, a talk on the environment. And in the, during that talk, she was talking about plant-based eating. And, and at that point, it really, I remember sitting in there and thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm killing the planet because, because I was eating so much animal products, animal proteins, and it, it kind of overwhelmed me. I don't know why, like, for like, I was always about being healthy, but for some reason, when I started feeling like I was doing other people a disfavor, it, I don't know, it just stroke a different chord. And right around that time also, actually, one of our medical students, who's now one of our residents, came and uh, she had that vegan tattoo, you know, they're real. Um, <laughs> and she had actually gone to the Olympics and trampoline. And so she was a plant-based athlete. And I started chatting with her about that because now life was just attacking me with all this knowledge. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to go about this. And she was very kind and helpful. And she said, you know, like you just do one little change at a time. And so I took uh, Shane Williams course 
And I just started shifting my, my own diet and seeing how uh, like my acne was going away. My energy was better. I was more focused, my emotional regulation, like everything, like I just felt better. And so I started talking to my family and I started receiving messages that everybody was feeling better. And it was like, it was massive. And then I was just like, wow, like I want everybody to feel this way. So it's kind of, it took me, I want to say at least a year to like fully transition, but never, I never looked back. I was feeling so good. Wow. So it sounds like there was a number of things that all came at once. So seeing the documentary Game Changers, Dr. Shane Williams course, and then your intern who happened to also be a plant-based Olympian, that's pretty like kismet that it's all coming together at the same time. Right? Life really ambushed me. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like when you were going through these changes and incorporating these lifestyle medicine type components, it wasn't only within yourself, but you were inspiring other people in your community. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how it sounds like you're also incorporating it into your medical practice now? So how did that come about? Yeah, so it started with, um, I was watching one of Chef AJ's video and she was interviewing one of the physicians who leads the lifestyle medicine program at Rochester. And I messaged them and I said, what can I do in Emerge? (laughs) And they were like, oh, well, this is kind of difficult because, you know, you don't have a lot of time. So like you could give them a pamphlet. So I thought, okay. So I made one that had a bunch of resources, if possible, free. So I had Dr. Meta's plant-based data. Um, and I uh, I know he does this in collaboration with uh, Nital Jethalil and uh, Nick Carter. And so I had that on there. I had a bunch of TED Talks, a book. Um, at uh, It was right around when the pandemic started. So... There was also a PCRM free course that was on um, fighting diabetes with food that I put on there. So like a bunch of resources that Shane Williams course, of course. Um, so but yeah, a bunch of resources on there that um, I thought would be useful for my patients. And as I was learning more myself, I would just bonify it. And so it started as pr- probably a one pager and then it became like, But so I was trying to give people resources and talk about it. And so people like my colleagues started asking me questions about it, too. And I started Paris on Meatless Monday. I had never I had never done something like that. So I I mean, the fear of judgment is real. (laughs) So I started asking my colleagues before starting the website, I was like, so if I do this, like, are some of you going to go on my page? Like, would you try? Would you share what you eat? So I went to like some friends and colleagues and they said, oh, like, I can say that I'm going to be the one who participates the most, but I'll follow your page. And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> so then I started this. And then some people started reaching out to me because now like like people were sharing it. And so it started, it started like that. I took the plant-based course from Cornell. And as people were asking me questions, I was able to share the knowledge that I was acquiring. Sometimes we watched videos together. So um, I can say that everybody jumped with their with both feet, but people were interested in what I was doing. And that was very encouraging for me. And some some colleagues or uh, parents of some of my colleagues uh, were messaging me and uh, thanking me for the resources and sharing with me their own health journey. And I think like focusing on the positives, because obviously some people were like, this is really not for me, but focusing on like every time I had a success story or just like a po- like positive feedback, it was very energizing. And starting to meet other people like it's it's kind of a small world and the more you get into it the more people introduce you to people uh so 
Um, I know we were just talking about how talking to other like-minded people is very energizing. So that gave me a lot of steam to keep going in the more lifestyle medicine direction. So it sounds like you built up this community engagement almost starting out with the pamphlet in the emergency med and then building on that with the Perry Sound Meatless Mondays. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more about this community engagement, how you went about it, any challenges that you faced and your overall experience. Yeah, definitely. So um, I would say that both from an patient engagement standpoint, as well as just like a community engagement as a whole, there was a lot to build. And it started slowly, I wasn't certified in lifestyle medicine yet. But it was again, like it was just talking to talking to people and uh, making mistakes and learning along the way. Like I think when people go through something that is very major and transformative, we want to share it so much. And sometimes I'll refer that to I'll I'll refer to that as attacking people with your knowledge. (laughs) And I'm sure many other people have been there. So it's definitely been a bit of a roller coaster, especially at the beginning. Uh, As I got certified in lifestyle medicine, and just sharing that people became really interested, I was sharing it a lot as like holistic medicine, which is really something that I, I, I think is very important. And this is really how I see it. And people really liked it. So um, through uh, Natalie, um, my business partner, Natalie, was talking to people at the Friendship Center and they were really interested. So we did a little lecture series on all the six pillars of lifestyle medicine there, uh, talking to and and again, just focusing on people who have the same kind of mindset, uh, like some of the business owners, people who started projects in the community started talking to us about that and sharing that some people offered us uh, space if we needed to do a workshop. And uh, so it, it grew slowly. And as I started thinking, well, like, you, you know, if you've ever visited an emergency department, and hopefully you haven't, but Um, A lot of people at some point do. And uh, emergency department overcrowding is a big problem. And I started kind of losing a little bit of the fulfillment from what I was doing because it just felt like I was putting so many Band-Aids and, you know, like people were still getting sicker. So I think like as I was going through my own health journey and learning all of this stuff, I started wanting to do more. So yeah, I started looking for more and more people who were thinking about holistic medicine, who liked lifestyle medicine and what we had in common and growing this maybe a little bit more as a movement. But like I said, again, like it's, I think there's just a lot of strength in uniting and there's a lot of people that do the same thing or something very similar as what we do. And we just don't know about it. Everybody's in their corner doing their thing and they all think that they're alone and they're different. (laughs) And at the end of the day, a lot of the time when we actually discover about each other, like it's just so exciting. So I think there was a lot of that happening and really focusing on connecting over what we have in common and uh, and asking people like if they know other people that would be interested and I think that was that was really important too and um, as for talking to patients because the other thing is that if you feel like you're going against the current a lot you burn out pretty quickly it's very discouraging there's a lot of pushback and um, and you feel like well people don't really want this and at some point it almost sounds like well you know if people want to be sick then whatever you know like I'm just gonna stop like doing what I'm doing and I'll just keep on putting band-aids and like it's again it's a roller coaster and these thoughts definitely came sometimes 
but I think approaching it with compassion and um, so not making any assumptions before talking to to people like some people are sick and plant based. So like that was like my first lesson was to not just assume that, you know, if somebody was sick, it was because they were eating sugar, meat and dairy and stuff. Um, and so just a ton of compassion, making new assumptions, trying to get people to share their story, um, asking for permission before exploring. And, um, and this goes for friends, it goes for patients, it goes for family, it goes for everybody, really, um, especially if you're exploring something that's a little bit more delicate. And remember that a lot of people have a lot of trauma and life experiences that guided the choices they're making. Um, and asking for permission to give feedback too, just because they gave you permission to um, explore and share doesn't necessarily mean they want your opinion <laughs> on what they need to do, should do. You know, we often say don't should yourself in the foot. So shoulding is very um, delicate. Um, acknowledging people, I think a lot of the time when I got pushback, people felt like they were never good enough for me. You know, like they would make changes and I would go straight to what they were still doing that could impact their health negatively instead of focusing more on all the awesome changes they had done that had impacted their health positively. And so I think that was definitely um, uh, something that I learned from and acknowledging people more and celebrating people's successes a lot and um, and making sure that they trust the process, that the changes that they made are going to stick. So I think that was uh, that was big too. Um, being careful of eating disorders, food anxieties and um, and fears of food and all of that was very important too. Some people um, have had very terrible experiences and it's just going to sound like another diet, no matter how much you try to sell it like a lifestyle. And so, and I say this not to scare people from doing uh, what they're doing, but more like choosing when and how and if you're going to open a door, but you're not going to have a lot of time to explore, or you're not going to have an opportunity to follow up, or you're not going to have proper resources to support people, um, then just like just dropping the knowledge, like you have to be very careful with that because you just don't know what kind of Pandora box you might have just opened. And it's really important. Like people are fragile and it's very important to remember that. And the stronger they seem, the more fragile they may be. So, you know, if uh, it's really important to remember that. And then that sharing with stories and videos and things that are not about them. And again, that goes for healthcare providers, that goes for anybody really, like even myself. Like I think if I'm watching a video of someone who's had a journey similar to mine, but is not me and they come out the other way differently I'm attracted to that and I'm like oh maybe I can try this more than having someone talking to me directly and saying you should do that right like it's less intimidating you feel like you're kind of like free to decide whether or not you're inspired by that. And so um, and so I did a lot of that. And again, both for uh, for patients, even in Emerge sometimes, and I'm, I'm not saying that lending your phone to your patients is a good idea, but I would do that. I would be like, oh, like, would you like to watch a little video? And then I would start like a TED talk or something and I would do go do something else and come back and be like, how was that? And um and and that work like watching again like short videos and uh and sending content to other people that i that i knew can be again less intimidating than just sitting down with them and being okay let's talk about what you should do now <laughs> which is not going to work as well so um so yeah just like little principles that really help me and again focusing on people who shared my beliefs and then um and not restricting it to food i think uh i think the fact that it was about health first i think I think everybody felt like there was something they were doing for their health that was valuable and that made it less intimidating and made people feel less like they were never good enough.
It sounds like it's really about building the rapport and you shared all these different strategies on ways that that could be done and just making that connection with individuals and giving different resources. And one of the things that you mentioned just now was about restricting food. It's not just about that. There's so many other aspects and it ties back into the whole theme of lifestyle medicine. And you briefly mentioned the six pillars, but I was wondering... I understand many of our listeners may already be very familiar with the definition of lifestyle medicine, but I was wondering if you could share what lifestyle medicine means to you and what these six pillars are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's true. I I, I talk a lot. So thanks for stopping me and making me go back. Um, yeah, so lifestyle medicine, uh, I put a lot of emphasis on the fact that it addresses your lifestyle first and looks first for things um, in your environment and your habits and behaviors that can impact your health. Um, And so whether it's to prevent a future disease or whether it's to to help you heal something that is uh, or a symptom that is bothering you right now. But it's um it's it's not excluding medication so i want to make sure that people know that it doesn't mean that we're the doctors that will stop chemotherapy and tell people that if they're having a heart attack they don't need to go to the hospital they can just eat a lot of spinach you know like that's not what we're about and i know you know that (laughs) um (laughs) but but it's important right um so, but it puts a lot of emphasis on uh, on those six pillars. So nutrition is definitely one of the pillars. And so we do recommend that people transition towards a more plant-based, um, like a whole food plant-based diet. It's very important also to let people know that um, as opposed to a vegan diet. And we always say that people could eat a bag of chips and drink a liter of Coca-Cola and they would still be considered vegan, but that's not what we're about. And um, so whole food plant-based diet and then uh, exercise, making sure that people move. It's really important in a way that feels good for them. So we recommend 150 minutes per week of uh, moderate exercise, and that could just be brisk walks. And there's no longer any restrictions with respect to, um, like it used to be in at least 10 minutes increments, and that was taken out because we now know that even if you walk your 150 minutes in like two minutes increment, you're still going to enjoy a lot of the benefits. So that's very important too. Uh, Sleep is super, super important. We're in the society of hustlers and people want to do more and sleep is for the week. I'll sleep when I'm dead. What have we not heard, right? And so (laughs) sleep is very, very, very important. And so we talk about that a lot and it's definitely a very important pillar. Stress management, again, going back to this generation of hustlers and we want to do it all. And, um, you know, like we live today, we might not get tomorrow. So just do it all today. So stress management is super important for our body to repair itself. You know, if we're on high alert all the time, we have no time to recalibrate. And um, so uh, and then uh, relationships, which I love that lifestyle medicine talks about relationship. I think that Historically, it's not really something that's been seen as medicine, but we know that having a strong support group is very, very important. It lowers your stress. You it helps you sleep better. It, uh, it supports your healthy habits as long as there are people who have healthy habits, but it's definitely very important and negative relationships can add so much stress and strain, um, So it's very important to nurture your relationships and then toxic substances like uh, like alcohol and tobacco, but also obviously like recreative drugs. And I sometimes want to sneak in there also um, like other toxic substances like uh, like energy drinks, like food coloring, like pesticides. So uh, I might stuff a little bit more, but technically it's mostly alcohol and tobacco and then like every everything else, I guess, that um, our body doesn't doesn't really need. And we absorb these. I mean, sometimes it's inhaled, uh, sometimes it's on the skin. 
Sometimes it's eaten and that's true for drugs, but that's also true for a lot of other chemicals. So it's really like a, like I said, like a holistic approach and there's always going to be work to be done for us. So it's really not about trying to be perfect as practitioners. And I think that, I think there's, there's power in that when you're talking to your patients and you're yourself working on it and figuring it out and showing that, yeah, like you don't have it perfectly, but you're working on it. I think it's very important for people to see that so that they see that it's possible for them. And again, like that's true for friends, family, colleagues, not just patients. And it makes it, it makes it real and it makes it doable. So, and like you said, like it builds rapport. Like when we feel like we're in, we're in a similar situation doing similar things, it just makes us feel more connected. Along those lines and along the lines of your interest in holistic health, I understand that you and your colleague Natalie are co-creating um, a lifestyle medicine program for your community in Perry Sound. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that and how that got, got started. So, um, so Natalie and I, we started, um, we created Blue Life RX, and uh, it's through Blue Life RX that we uh, we did the lecture series at the Friendship Center, and we wanted to have a uh, a platform where um, Natalie was going to help people with lifestyle medicine who struggle with um, autism spectrum disorder and ADHD. And, um, but we also wanted to have a platform where eventually we could put educational content for uh, medical practitioners, as well as all comers who just wanted to live a, a healthy and long life. So we created Blue Life RX for that. And uh, parallel to that, um, I met a researcher through um, Dr. Tushar Mehta is like an amazing connector and he refers me so many people He's like here Milan like this person speaks French or like here Milan here's another lifestyle medicine practitioner who you might enjoy talking to. So he introduced me to an amazing researcher from Laval University who was taking a sabbatical in Ontario to work on her research. And uh, so we met and it was just like, we just got along like fire, you know, like it's, it was so fun. And, um, and I, I started talking about, you know, like um, my, my dream or my vision of making Paris on a blue zone. And um, she loved it. And she had been working on, so at Laval University, there's a lifestyle medicine program stream for their residents. So <clears throat> So we really had this similar interest and I had, you know, not done research since my undergrad and I wasn't really necessarily planning on doing research, but <clears throat> she was like, no, 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 this is great. I've been doing this for decades and um, it's awesome. Let's do it. So I thought, okay. So then like we started again, like we started connecting with other people who wanted to do something similar for the advancement of lifestyle medicine. And, um, and slowly but surely, so this is Dr. Caroline Réaume. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mention her name. Um, and, uh, and we connected with um, Dr. Reza and Barbara Kazemi in the, I want to say more like Hamilton area, Dunville, Dunville. And, um, and then uh, Dr. Margaret Rundle, who is a retired physician uh, from Scarborough and is uh, involved with the Food as Medicine Conference in Toronto. And like, we just, like, again, it, we just started talking to people and anybody who was interested in a, a project like that and gathering information, Dr. Michelle McMacken and Stephanie Albert from New York were so helpful and uh, they provided us with so much guidance and, uh, and material. And, uh, and we just started thinking, okay, like we're kind of like, kind of like this, we're small, but mighty um, mindset, you know, there is only about 7,000 people, but um, we'll just try to replicate what's been done in New York. <laughs> and, and, and I think there's a lot of value in that because we're rural, we're small, we don't have the same resources. Um, we don't have 
uh, Mayor Adams. Uh, so, you know, like it's just, there's a lot of value in seeing, okay, like how can we do this? Can we do this at all? Right. So we applied for a first small grant uh, through NOAMA, which is with uh, the Northern Ontario School of Medicine up north near where I am. And yeah, like we just started again, like talking to people and trying to see like who would be the dietitian, who would be the health coach. And the community is amazing. I think, again, like there's so much value in being small. I, lo- I know a lot of people will see it as a limitation. I think you can argue it both ways, really. I think like if you're bigger, you have more resources, but it might be hard to connect with everybody. Whereas like for us, we're all three doors down. So, um, so and, and everybody knows everybody. So if you start a program and so-and-so is in it and like, you know, and people know that person, so I think this is really helpful starting to talk um, to the dietitians in the community who were so supportive and without necessarily being vegan. And I think this is uh, this is something that maybe a lot of people see as a limitation that they're like, well, I don't have a plant-based nutritionist in my or plant-based dietitian in my area. Well, I don't have a plant-based health coach in my area, but I think Um, I think we're really lucky in Canada because we have an amazing food guide that really uh, puts the spotlight on transitioning towards a plant-based diet, favoring plant-based proteins, making, you know, like three quarters of your plate, like fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. And like, I think it's, so if starting with these principles, and all agreeing that we were going to do it in a way that was not going to shame patients, that we weren't going to try to get them on track or, you know, like it wasn't going to be done with a mindset of like transitioning them to plant-based as quickly as possible, but more like, like you said earlier, like celebrating the wins and focusing on what they're doing that's helpful and what they can do that is not too intimidating. And, And like we said, like stretching their comfort zone, maybe a little bit, but within you know, within uh, limits that they were willing to accept and implement and really doing it so that they can reconnect with food and enjoy a better relationship with food and making sure that, you know, when talking to maybe like trainers and kinesiologists and health coaches, really focusing on, do they believe that all the, all the pillars work together. So like, for me, it's important that I know that, you know, the, the, the social workers, the personal trainers, everybody agrees that having a healthy diet is important, that eating your fruits, your vegetables, your fiber, and all of that is beneficial for you, even for your fitness, not just it's like, we're not working in silos. Right. And I think when building the program, that was the biggest, um, the biggest thing was to make sure that I had practitioners that were going to be happy to collaborate and that they believed in a common goal. And I think having the vision that we were going to make Paris Sound a blue zone and spreading that was very helpful because now people could see the big picture. They could see that they were all playing a role in this vision and yeah, that everything was going to bonify the program, that they their areas were never going to be enough on its own, but were always going to be an integral part of the program. Um, so, and again, like having other people interested in the project, referring other people they knew and just kind of like word of mouth through the grapevine and um building it but i'm i'm very lucky finding a a dietitian that's out of a job these days is pretty hard so um they're all people who are full-time employees that agreed to um work a little extra to get at least the project launched before we're um, able to recruit more people and hopefully full-time staff so uh, because they really believe in the vision. And and so we're just really growing this together. Wow. So as you and your team are trailblazing, creating this blue zone, I was wondering if we could take a step back 
and talk a little bit more about the history of what blue zones are. And I've seen on your website that you talk about blue, um, I think it's uh, blue zoners or there's a term that you, blue Blue lifers. lifers. (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering if you could tell us both about the history of what blue zones are and why they're important, especially from a research perspective. And what does it mean to be a blue lifer? That's interesting. That's I like that you stopped me and you're like, oh, you said this. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so we started, we named our company Blue Life RX because of the blue zones. And so um Blue Zone started as um, I think it was a collaboration between National Geographic and some um, researchers. Uh, some of them were in Europe, like France and Spain. They discovered uh, that uh, people in, I believe the first one was Sardinia in Italy, were living a lot longer and had more centenarians. And so they started trying to figure out what they were doing to enjoy these benefits. And, uh, and then they found other demographic areas where people were living longer. So Nicoya in Costa Rica, an island in Greece, in California, I think Loma Linda, because there's a lot of Adventists that live there. So they started identifying areas like that where people were living longer and and looking at what they had in common so a lot of people had regular movement built in their schedules they had a diet that was mostly plant-based they were not overeating not binge drinking um like like drinking in moderation and uh, if at all because i think some of the adventists don't drink at all and uh they the, the importance of community was like really um something that was highlighted and something that i think is one of the big strength of perry sound so uh, making sure that uh, some people were part of clubs or uh, churches and faith-based groups, but really knowing that you had a network that you could rely on. Uh, having like smaller support groups. So a lot of people have heard that you're the average of like the three to five people you hang out with the most. So making sure that your close circle were people that were supportive and helping you go in the direction you wanted to go in, Uh, making sure that you had an appropriate amount of rest, that you were winding down, downshifting, shedding your stress. So it was really a collection of habits that they started putting together. So it it became kind of like a a term to try to create a blue zone, um, which initially was really just um, like an area on on a map. And, uh, and it was based on on the study, but it 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 ended up sticking and I think it's catchy. So yes, I believe it was in 2004 or something like that, that they started doing these studies. And um, so we wanted to we wanted to start a project that was again about uh, healthy living, about living longer, and uh, not just adding quantity but adding quality of life. Like I think that with the current medicines that we have, we can extend people's life quite a bit. But it's not necessarily the life that they wish they had. A lot of the time when you talk to people about what they want to do when they retire, they talk about traveling and, you know, like they have all these goals and it's like, okay, well, how can we make sure that you can actually do that when the time comes? And of course, there's always going to be the odd that one of us will get hit by a bus, you know, but it's, it's about, you know, but it's really about optimizing, like what is within our control and what can we optimize so that we can, you know, put the odds in our favor. And so blue lifers were, um, were people that believed in the project and that wanted that, that wanted to, you know, like not just feel bad for the cards they were dealt. Cause a lot of people will see genes as a fatality and they will just say, no, something runs in my family. And, you know, like no matter what I do, I'll have high blood cholesterol and I'll die of a heart attack, but really thinking, okay, well, um, we know that many researchers, I'm a big fan of Dean Ornish, have shown that despite the genes that you have, 
there's very little genes that will not be impacted at all by your lifestyle. I mean, like, you know, like you're born with your eye color and stuff like that. But in terms of, um, in terms of the, the future chronic disease that you may or may not get, I really like when, um, Dr. Neil Barnard says that, uh, genes are, um, they're more like um, a, a committee that emits suggestions. And so he'll, <laughs> I think I, I like I like that visual of seeing the genes as like, how about having, you know, like breast cancer? And then you can just be like, how about no? <laughs> you know, like I, I reject that suggestion. <laughs> and just really seeing as um, really, it's, it's just empowering people and feeling empowered ourselves. I really like that visual that you and Dr. Bernard put in place of it's that committee and it gives the feeling that there's more, like you said, control or choice or agency over where we're going in life and a better quality of life as we age, because that's something that we can't control. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. And so, so many people, including doctors, um, still belief that it's it's a fatality and and again it's um it's not it's not to say that oh up until today we've been doing things wrong it's really about using the power of what we're discovering using the research and uh and feeling empowered and feeling positive about the future so ultimately it sounds like some of your goals are improving individuals' quality of life and feelings of empowerment. But are there other things that we haven't touched on that you'd like to achieve with this project and with your work in lifestyle medicine? Or are there other things coming up for you that you'd like to share with us? I'm really hoping that other people will follow suit. And I know that there's already tons and and I mean, we're trailblazers and we're not like we're definitely standing on the shoulders of giants here. But again, same as what we were talking about for genes, when we think about overcrowding, when we think about staff shortages, instead of really seeing it as the system is failing, really seeing it as an opportunity for us to reestablish a balance between the demand and um, the uh, like the healthcare offerings that we we can uh, provide that we have within our capacity right now, and thinking about it in a way that if we can get people to live healthier and longer lives, then maybe we don't just need a lot more healthcare providers, or maybe we don't need to just like run CD scanners and MRIs 24 seven. And, uh, and it's not going to happen fast. But eventually, we do get there. And um, so I think it's, it's really important for me to think about that. And when I think about indigenous communities and their traditions and thinking that they were here for hundreds or thousands of years before us and they didn't have the complex healthcare system that we have now and they were able to take care of themselves and take care of the land and, you know, there's a lot of knowledge that we already have within us that we have as a community, if we can all learn from each other and connect and again, like just really bond over what we have in common and share a vision. Um, we can really, we can really go far with this. Um, so I, I believe that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So I think if, if you're ready to just if you're coachable, if you're ready to expand your beliefs, if you're ready to change how you think about things, um, there's so much that we can learn from each other and incorporate. And again, like it's um, everybody comes with their school of thoughts and it's 
it's never going to be when you, when you apply something to an entire population, it's never going to be as perfect as you want it to be, you know, like you're never going to hit a hundred percent. And I don't want to say never, but I just don't even think there is a perfect a hundred percent, you know, like we, we, like we haven't figured out the one perfect recipe that keeps everybody a hundred percent healthy until they're a hundred. But I think like, accepting to be influenced, accepting to follow tendencies that seem to work. And again, really accepting to share what we know and learn from each other is very, very important. And um, so it was, it was very important for us building the program. And I know that a lot of people, when I talk to them about the program, they'll say like, oh, I wish that I could do this in my community. I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly where they're coming from, but just to make sure that they don't think of it as we're doing the most perfect lifestyle medicine project ever, <laughs> that like, you know, like we're, we're able to laugh at our mistakes and not take ourselves too seriously and, um, and shift ourselves and our practice of medicine uh, slowly, the same way that most people who will actually engage in a different set of habits will have to implement them slowly so that they're sustainable. And I think like, I think it's, we're no different. And the practice of medicine and the healthcare system is no different. I think it's going to be a series of small shifts. And so I really want to encourage anybody who um, has that passion to get started and take in perfect actions, even if it's, even if it's maybe not going to be the New York study, <laughs> um, who like I, and I'm sure they don't feel any more perfect than I do anyway, but I mean, they seem more perfect from the outside. Um, but I think every time you look at somebody and they seem like they have it all figured out, if you talk to them, they'll tell you really it's just a work in progress. So I think this is this is really important. So when thinking again, when thinking about people in my community, they weren't necessarily um, all about like most people didn't know about ACLM, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Most people didn't know about lifestyle medicine in general. A lot of people were not themselves on a whole food plant based diet, but they, um, they believed in fiber, especially our surgeons um, are just, you know, telling their patients to eat more fiber. Um, urologists really like when their patients drink water, um, just helps with kidney stones and all these things. And uh, most people believe in eating fruits and vegetables. Most people believe in eating whole grains versus refined and ultra processed foods. A lot of people in our community, community at least, are uh, like they love outdoors and they love staying active. They believe in uh, putting their family first and building strong relationships. So I think there's there's so much positive and so much that we can actually bond over to help us move towards our goal of having a blue zone. And um, so I think the more open we are, again, about like learning from each other, the more people are going to be more open to uh, us sharing our knowledge. And I think it's really just a partnership. And again, not saying that there is one absolute perfect way to to live, to eat, to sleep, to move, like people always want the one perfect answer. And it has to be also as uh, quick as possible. But I think it's, yeah, it's just implementing small changes and believing in imperfect action and connection. I'm hearing it's it's sounding like it's okay to give ourselves grace to be perfectly imperfect and to continue learning and growing. And it, we don't necessarily have to have it all figured out all at once in order to proceed with whatever it is that we want to do. Absolutely. Definitely. I couldn't put it better. Proceed. <laughs> proceed with caution, but proceed. Just, just do it. And one place that I think our listeners would find very interesting to proceed to, I mainly would like to know where can people find out more about you and your work? We uh, we have a website for Natalie and I, so blueliferx.com. Um, the uh, research project is um, not yet on the internet. 
but hopefully eventually it will be. So our project's name is CLIP. So it's the Comprehensive Lifestyle Medicine Intervention Program. And um, otherwise, I'm I'm maybe not like the absolute most active uh, star of Facebook and Instagram, but I do exist on there. <laughs> so um, it's just my name, really. Um, so Milan Gino for both Facebook and Instagram. And um, and we have Paris Sound Meatless Monday, and it's not just for people who live in Paris Sound. We have um, a lot of people from Montreal, Niagara, all over. So if you are interested, you can always join us there and keep the conversation going. Fantastic. And I'll link that information in the show notes. And Dr. Genot, is there a final take-home message or final thoughts that you would like listeners to leave this episode with? I would say that if you want to go fast, you go alone. And if you want to go further, you go together. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing all your insights with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This episode was hosted by myself, Stephanie Nishi, and Clint Stamatovich is our audio engineer. This podcast featured royalty-free music from freesound.com. A very special thanks to our guest, Dr. Maylin Jeannot, for speaking with us and sharing her insights. And of course, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting the show. You can do this by clicking on the link at the bottom of the show notes. The Plant-Based Canada podcast is an initiative of the group Plant-Based Canada, which aims to educate health professionals and the public on the evidence behind plant-based whole food nutrition for individual and planetary health. To learn more about the show, visit our website at www.plantbasedcanada.org and stay up to date by following us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at plantbasedcanada.org. Until next time!